0: One of the most important discoveries in the Christian life is that so often, God doesn't do what we expect Him to do. Anybody say amen to that? Yeah. So often, the things we expect God to do, He doesn't do. And the things that He does do often is a big surprise to us. I want to talk to you this morning about the surprises that come in following Jesus. Have you ever been confused about what God's doing in your life or wondered, God, what on earth are you doing? Why are things the way they are? Uh, Why didn't you answer that prayer? Why didn't you do what what I asked you to do? Ever felt like that and wondered where God is in all this? I want to talk to you about the God of surprises. A God who, who has his own agenda, has his own plan, and has his own purpose. I want to talk to you about a God who knows what he's doing. A God who gets it right every time. A God who is never taken by surprise. A God who is never shocked. I want to talk to you about a God who is sovereign, who is in control. A God who has a very definite and very real plan. On this Sunday we celebrate Palm Sunday. Uh, when I was in Sunday school as a child, the teacher used to provide palm branches for us. Does anybody remember the days of the palm branches? When everybody on a anybody, put your hand up. Let me just see. Okay, there's there's more than just me. Okay. So I don't think we do that so much anymore, but as a child we got our palm branch and what we would do is we'd sing Hosanna and praise the Lord and wave the palm branch. And that was on Palm Sunday and uh it was confusing to me as a child because on, on palm sunday we would praise the lord and we would celebrate what they called the triumphal entry into jerusalem remember that jesus came into jerusalem everybody worshiped him and recognized him as israel's king they sang hosanna to the son of david which is uh, very much a proclamation that jesus is the king and then the, then the next sunday I come to church and now we're we're celebrating Jesus being nailed to a cross. Which is a huge surprise for me because I, didn't, I couldn't connect the dots here. How is it that on Palm Sunday we're worshiping him as the king and recognizing that he is Israel's savior, and then the next Sunday we come to church and we're, we're talking about him being nailed to a cross and rising from the dead. What is this all about? Well, I'm going to tell you something. I, as a child, was not the only one surprised at this chain of events. Jesus' own disciples were terribly, terribly surprised. And I'd like you to uh, read this passage of Scripture with me. And if you, Let's read it together. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked. And the crowds replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Who is this Jesus? What is he all about? What's he doing? And the same question can be asked today. Who is he, and what is he doing in our lives? You will find, even after decades of serving God, that when you follow Jesus, it's one surprise after another. One surprise after another. Let's talk about those surprises for a moment. And we'll begin by looking at the disciples. These disciples were not surprised when Jesus entered Jerusalem and everybody was shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna to the son of David. They weren't surprised because they knew that he was the king. They knew who he was. They'd been with him all these years. They'd seen him raise people from the dead. They'd seen him walk on water. They'd seen him multiply a few fish and a few loaves into, into meals for, for, for thousands. There's the there's preacher coming out in me. there just stretching it a bit for millions, for thousands for, for thousands they'd seen all that they'd seen people raised from the dead they'd seen that they knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that jesus was the king of israel that part they weren't surprised about but what follows is a huge surprise jesus comes into jerusalem everybody recognizes yes this is the king and those who don't know ask they find out who he is and Everyone's excited. We're we're coming to Passover now, and this is the time to reveal the Messiah, the promised one, the one who's going to deliver us from the evil tormentors called the Romans. Jesus is here to deliver us, to give us hope, to give us life, to put us back in our rightful place amongst the nations to make us the head and not the tail. This is what the disciples are expecting. And What does Jesus do? He goes into the temple, so far so good, and the disciples are going, oh, goody, goody, this is it, this is it, it's going to happen, this, today is the day. Today is the day. We've been following him all this time, and today is the day when he's going to be acknowledged as the king of Israel. Today is the day when we become the new rulers in the land, and then Jesus does something very shocking. He goes into the temple, and rather than declaring himself and taking his place as king of Israel, he starts knocking over tables. Whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus, what are you doing here? Can you just see Jesus, publicist? This <laughs> is—we're is, oh, just getting this wrong. He his manager, his handlers. Jesus, well, stop, stop, don't stop making it come. What are you doing? Knocking over the tables, screaming at people, money's rolling all over the place. He's and he starts chastising all these people. Now, these are powerful people. These are rich people. These are people who got money. They got influence. Jesus, what are you doing? Talk about a surprise! The disciples weren't expecting that. Jesus, you you, you don't tick off the people who can make you king. Jesus surprised them. And if that weren't bad enough, he provokes the rulers, the Pharisees. These are the real power brokers. He provokes them. He gets them so mad that they make up their mind. They're going to they're kill him. This is it. Jesus is done. In the midst of all this provoking and making people angry, Jesus reaches out and heals the blind and the lame. And now the disciples are not just surprised, they're confused. What is going on? What's he doing? He's healing people, and he's making the Pharisees angry, and he's getting the rich people mad at us. What's he doing? And then the biggest shock of all, is that Jesus ends up going to the cross to die. What a surprise. What a shock. I'm going to tell you something this morning. When you entered into this relationship with Jesus Christ, you did not enter into a relationship with a tame Jesus, with a Jesus that would be easy to manipulate or to control. You did not enter into a relationship with a Jesus that You just would tell him what to do and he would jump this is what so many television preachers would have you believe you just have to have the magic formula make god jump and do whatever you tell him to do but here's what i've discovered over the years my friends when you follow jesus it's one surprise after another it's one big shock after another and my friends it's not just a shock or a surprise in a bad way when i say in a bad way i mean it's we think when things don't go in, our, go, or go in our way, it's a bad thing. How many know that when things don't always go your way, it's not a bad thing? You, you, you learn that, right? How many know that God's way is always the best way? Have you discovered that yet? Have you learned that, that it's, it's a good thing that God doesn't always answer all our prayers? How many have dis- discovered that? You discovered that? How many are glad that God hasn't answered all your prayers? I know I am. I and mean, there's times I think, oh, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. You didn't answer that prayer. So often, things do not turn out the way we would imagine that they would turn out. And I'll tell you why. And this may come as a huge shock to you, but you are not omniscient. You don't know everything. That's a shock for some of you today, isn't it? You 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 arrived here this morning, you thought you knew everything. I know some of you ladies are thinking, that's yes, my husband beside me, he knows everything. Guess what? She's probably, he's, she's probably thinking the same thing about you. Yeah. Surprise. You that word surprise means it means to be taken unaware. It means um, you've been overtaken. And that's exactly what happened to these disciples. They were taken unaware. They were overtaken by the, by the, by the string of events that were happening. They weren't prepared for this. Can I just say something to you today? Many of us here today have experienced exactly that in our Christian life. We have experienced surprise. We've been overtaken by the surprises in our life, things that we weren't expecting. We were thinking that things would be different. But I'm going to tell you this this, this, today, this morning, that God knows what he's doing. And when things don't turn out the way you expect them to turn out, God still knows what he's doing. He still is in control, and you can rest easy in the knowledge that God loves you and he will not let you down. When Jesus came knocking on the door of your heart, he asked you to come and surrender your life to him. Nobody becomes a Christian by simply signing up for it. You know what I'm saying? You say, well, you know, I think I'll be a Christian. I'll sign up for that. That's not what happens. Jesus says this in John chapter 3.7. He says, you should not be surprised at me saying, you must be born again. This is a huge surprise. A huge surprise to those who were following him because they thought all they had to do was do the right things. Keep the, do the right Keep the rules. Stick to the law of Moses. Make sure you, you, you try to get it right most of the time. Do your sacrifices and everything's going to be fine. And Jesus said, that's not enough. It's not enough. You need to be born again. You need to become a brand new creation, a brand new creature. Now, some of us have been Christians for years. Now, I want you to stop for a moment right now. Would you do this with me? And imagine that you have just experienced salvation for the first first time. It's just happened to you. Do you remember what it felt like? We just had a baptismal class here on Saturday. And I love the baptismal class because it's a chance to meet with people who have just put uh, their faith in Christ. And I asked the question of everybody who was there, how did you feel when you accepted Jesus into your heart? And one person said, I felt like a huge weight had lifted from my shoulders. Anybody remember that? I felt like I was surrounded. I was just embraced and loved. I felt a great love in my heart. And someone else said, I felt a joy that I had never felt before. And Someone else said, I felt peace. I was so uptight and anxious and all of a sudden I felt peace come over me. And I reminded everybody that this is what happens when you're born again. And you shouldn't be surprised. Because Jesus said exactly that you should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again when you gave your heart to Jesus you became a new creature and that feeling of joy and that feeling of peace and happiness that feeling of the weight being lifted off your shoulders that's what you should be experiencing right here and right now this should be your daily experience with God because you have been born again you're a brand new creature. Have you experienced that in your life? Where are you at right now? Where are you at spiritually? Maybe you're here today and you're feeling that God has abandoned you, that God doesn't love you, that God has forsaken you. Maybe you're here today and you feel that God doesn't hear your prayers anymore. You you lost your excitement. My friends, I would say probably you've come to that place in your life where you've tried to take control and you have choked the very spiritual life that you once had. You need to come to that place of full surrender to Jesus Christ where you allow God to have his way in your heart once again. When's the last time you said, Jesus, not my will. But your will be done. You see, the minute you start taking matters into your own, own hands, the minute you s- stop surrendering to Jesus, is the day that you begin to choke out your spiritual life. It's the day that the old self takes over. You see, when you became a Christian, the old self died, and there was a, a new creation created explained it to the, the, the baptismal class like this. When I baptize you, the old self goes under the water, and we leave the old self under, and the new self comes up. Can I ask you a question this morning? Is it the new self that's living right now, or is it the old self that's got control in your life? Is it the new self that is, that is worshiping and going to church, or is it the old self? The Bible is very clear that God has called us to die to ourselves, to die to the old self. In fact, Jesus said this is what it means to be his disciple, his follower. If anyone would come after, after me, Jesus said, you must what? Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. That's the beginning of the Christian life. That's the first surprise. You've got to be born again. The old self is dead. A wonderful thing happens once you are born again. God says, I want to use you. I want to, I want to put you into, into my service. How many know today that you are called by God to serve him? Did you know that? Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. He says this. He says, this is my life work, Ephesians 3.7. This is my life work, helping people understand and respond to this message. And then Paul says this. I love this. He says, it came as a sheer gift to me, a real surprise. God handling all the details. When it came to presenting the message, the good news, to people who had no background in God's way, I was the least qualified of any of the available Christians. Does that, does that ring a bell here with anybody? I was the least qualified of any of the available Christians. and God saw to it that I was equipped. But you can be sure that it had nothing to do with my natural abilities. Now I'm going to tell you, when I signed up for ministry, I wanted to serve God. I knew in my heart that God had called me to be a pastor. The only thing that I had I'd kind of forgotten about or hadn't thought through was that if I was going to go into the ministry, I'd actually have to stand up in front of people. I'd have to actually stand up in front of people and talk to them and preach a sermon and even lead worship. I forgot about that part. And when I was in my first year of Bible school, going, going right along there, having a great time involved in different ministries and, and enjoying my studies, and suddenly one of the teachers said to me, Alan, you are going to lead worship in chapel. And I said, what, in front, of, in front of all my classmates? That's what happens in chapel, yes, in front of all your classmates. I said, well, I can't do that. And the teacher said to me, well, you are, you are in the ministry. You'll be doing that when you graduate. You may as well start now. So, I could tell you that for a full week before that, I hardly ate. I had real stomach problems, if you know what I mean uh, my The bathroom was my best friend. I had a hard time, and I could tell you as uh, as the time came closer to me having to actually stand up in front of people and lead worship. Because I'm going to tell you, I don't like the limelight. I don't like to be on the platform. I don't, I don't want anybody looking at me. I don't want, anybody to, I don't want the attention of anybody. I'm, it's not my personality. I'm not like Mark, <laughs> who loves to be up, up on the stage. I'm, like, I'm the anti-Mark. <laughs> uh, this is hard for me. This is really hard for me. And guess what? Sometimes it still is. Well, that might be hard for you to believe, but it's true. But I stood up and I discovered something. I discovered the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Has anybody experienced that in their life? I discovered this. I discovered that if I was going to do ministry, if I was going to preach the Word of God, if I was going to lead people in worship, then I needed something that Alan Dunkaff did not have. I needed the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you, there's nobody more surprised than me when I stood up in front of those people, and then suddenly the Holy Spirit showed up powerfully, and we had a time with God, worshiping and praising Him. That was my first most important lesson in Bible school. What a surprise! A real surprise that God would use me And as the Apostle Paul would say, I was the least qualified of any of the available Christians. Want to know what makes you qualified? It's that you have the empowerment and the enablement of the Holy Spirit. Someone say amen to that. Yeah. That's what it takes. If you you could understand what it feels like to be used by God to become a channel of His blessing... Then you begin to get that old joy back that you first experienced when you gave your heart to Jesus. This is God's will for you, my friends. He wants you to know the excitement and the joy of serving Him. The same joy, the same surprise that you experienced when you gave your heart to Christ. And you know what? It shouldn't surprise you today that God would use me. And it's not because I'm so brilliant or... It's not because I'm as good-looking as my dad. Paul says in 1 Corinthians one twenty-seven: but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. That's why God used me. Because I'm a weak thing and uh, a foolish thing. And therefore God can be glorified through my life. You're sitting here today and you're thinking, you know, Pastor, I don't know if there's any work that I can do. I don't know if there's anything I can any way that I can serve. Well, you heard Vicky here. She said, I didn't know if there's anything I could do, but I signed up. And all of a sudden, you know what she said to me? She said, I feel so excited. I haven't felt so excited about my faith than I do now since I signed up to go to Zambia. And suddenly God started to meet her needs, and she's discovering the joy and excitement. Being in God's service. What a surprise. Some of you may or may not know Dave Greenhall. He goes to, he works on Sundays, unfortunately, but he comes to our small group at our home. And we decided, we talked about going to the mission field. There was nobody more surprised than I was when he signed up and said, I'll go. And he was so excited about it that he actually gave up his his smoking. And I never said a word to him about that. That was something that just happened in his heart. And he said, I want to go. And I can tell you story after story like that. Rita came through our Alpha program just about two years ago. This has been a part of our church now for just, just, just about two years. And she signed up and she said, I think I'm supposed to go. I said, are you Sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm thinking, man, she's still been here a short time. I don't even really know her. And yet she says, yeah, I think it's what God wants me to do. And so who am I? Who am I to stand in the way of what God wants to do? I said, sign up. And as it, as it uh, turns out, we needed a cook. And she's going to be cooking for 16 people in Chihuahua. It came as a sheer gift to me and a real surprise. God handling all the details. When it came to presenting the message to people who had no background in God's way, I was the least qualified of any of the available Christians. I want, to, I want you to know something today. When you show up for service and say, "God, hear my, use me," God will empower you by His spirit and will use you in ways that you never dreamt possible. but you've got to sign up and you've got to be willing to say, "Hear my, God, use me." You say I had somebody give me this note at the end of the first service and it said... Ask and you will receive. It's a message for the pastor. You asked for laborers, now guide us. Okay? I'm telling you, there's sign-up sheets in the atrium. I need you to sign up. Sign up for service. We have a class coming up starting in May 4th. Sign up to learn how to go and do ministry. Sign up. We're going to the Lighthouse Mission. Sign up. We're going up to Fairford, to the First Nations Reserve. Sign up. And say, here, my God, use me. And I'm going to tell you, my friends, you will experience the empowering of the Holy Spirit unlike anything you've ever experienced. And I'm going to tell you, there's no joy like it to be used by God. You're going to be surprised by his provision and his help. Paul was, 2 Thessalonians 2.15, he says, May Jesus himself and God our Father, who reached out in love and surprised you with gifts of unending help and confidence, put a fresh heart in you, invigorating your work and enlivening your speech. Anybody know Jeremy Hodgson? Jeremy, he said, I want to go. As it turns out, Village of Hope needed computers. And he he comes to me and he says, I want to go. Do you think there's a place for me? And I say, well, what are you good at? He goes, well, I'm good at fixing computers. I'm good at... I'm good at doing that kind of stuff. That's what I do for a living. I said, "Well, as a matter of fact, the village of Hope needs their computers replaced. Maybe that's something you could do." Then I get a call a week later, and he says to me, "Pastor Allen, the university is getting new computers. We have 150 computers, flat-screen monitors. For those of you who know anything about computers, that's a good thing. These are great computers." Dual core, I don't know what that means, but dual core is something good, right, Adam? It's a good thing. It's a new computer ready to go. We sent off 27 of them in the container off to Africa, waiting for Jeremy to to get there to hook them up. But now there's a problem. Where is Jeremy going to get the money from? Okay, let's go back to this first. May Jesus himself and God our Father, who reached out in love and surprised you with gifts of unending help and confidence, put a fresh heart in you, invigorate your work, enliven your speech. Jeremy had somebody give him $2,000 to pay for his ticket so he could go to Africa to do the work. Listen to me, when you sign up and say, God, hear my, use me, you will be surprised at the great things that God will do for you and in you. But you've got to sign up. You've got to say, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to take that step of faith. I'm willing to do whatever needs to be done. I want to be a partner with God. You've got to stop taking matters into your own hands and trying to figure out your own way. You've got to say, God, wherever there's a need, I wanna serve. Now I just want to close with this. Why why are we always so surprised at the way God works? Why are we Why are we left scratching our head and and, and not understanding it? Well, I'll tell you why, because Isaiah says this in Isaiah 55.8, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. We're surprised by the way God works because we really don't know him. We don't understand his heart. I'm going to tell you this morning what is in the heart of God. I'm going to tell you this morning. Here it is. Ready? God loves the lost. He loves those who don't know him. He loves those who have been estranged from him. He loves this world. He loves this world so much that he would send his own son to die on the cross for our sins. That's how much he loves the world. When you begin to understand the heart of God, guess what happens? When you begin to understand the heart of God and you begin to to do what is important to God, then God shows up powerfully, mightily, and does miracles in your life and provides for you as you get in step with his purpose. Why did Jesus come to this earth? Well, Jesus said to seek and to save the lost. That's why Jesus came here. Did you know that? It wasn't so that you could find a way to get rich and have a nice big car and a nice house. That's not what Jesus came for. I've heard preachers distort and pervert the gospel message by suggesting that Jesus went to the cross so that you could be rich. This is blasphemy. Jesus came, my friends, to this earth to seek and to save what was lost to give life and hope to those who are perishing. Do you get that? And when you get on board with God's plan, you begin to experience the joy of the Christian life, and you begin to experience miracles in your own life as you get in step with what God wants to do. You know, we started in January getting ready for Zambia, and we started looking at the numbers, and we realized, wow, we get to raise a lot of money to make this happen. Do you know, we did a calculation on that container, and Taryn and I sat down quickly and figured it out. We figured out that the materials alone in that container were at least $50,000. I did some calculations again after, and it's probably closer to $80,000 or $90,000 worth of materials just in that container. The container alone costs $5,000. To send that container is $20,000. So start doing the arithmetic here. We're talking like hundred grand, almost just for that. And on top of that, we're going and, and, and building a fence around one of the mission compounds. We are, we are doing some plumbing there, some extensive plumbing. We're building a play structure. We're putting a water system in in Kidway. We're sending 30 missionaries. There's this this, this a bill that comes attached to this of some $220,000. That represents a huge portion of our church budget. And and as a pastor, I'm thinking, God, how are we going to fund this church if we're also funding a project like that? They're almost equal in terms of expense. We had a board meeting this past week, and I had news that blew my socks off, really. I got them back on. I'm thinking, God, how are we going to fund this and, and, and still keep the church going? And then on top of that, God lays it on my heart to bring in Pastor Robert McLean from Fairford and, and take up an offering, $3,000. We took $3,000 for Fairford. This blows me away. We've never taken in a love, a love offering like that, ever. God, how are we going to pay the bills? Can I just remind everybody that the heart of God is to bring hope and healing to the lost and the broken. This is the heart of God. This is why we have a Palm Sunday, to celebrate Jesus, the King of Israel, coming to this earth to die on the cross. That's what he came for. Lord, how are we going to pay the bills here if we are spending all this money on mission work At the board meeting, we were able to report that for the first time in maybe years, we were actually ahead of budget. Did you hear that? Let me say it again, we were ahead of budget. It's blowing me away. We've already had some $80,000 come in just for the mission, just for Zambia. And on top of that, we are ahead of budget. And I'm thinking, God, you really do surprise us. You really do love the lost. You really do care about those who don't know you. I'm going to tell you this, my friends. Anybody who gets on board with God's will and God's purpose is going to know God's provision in their life. You get on board with what God wants to do for the broken, the lost, and the hurting, I can tell you, God will not owe you anything. And you will have a joy, and you will have an an excitement, you will have an enthusiasm, that same enthusiasm you had when you first became a Christian. Because God loves to surprise those who get in line with his purpose for the broken, the lost, and the hurting. Would you stand with me, please?